Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. My name's Joshua Michael. We have an extremely important and exciting episode today. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I am Gino Alfonso, a writer-director of the upcoming movie Compatible. I am Jared Johnson. I'm one of the executive producers, one of many, uh, that has been brought on by Gino Alfonso himself, so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here with you guys, too. Thanks for reaching out to me. This has been an, an absolute honor. Uh, we're here in Denver, and what's the story? we got to give them a good shout-out. You bet. It's called the Mutiny Cafe, thanks to Jim and Neil, our <coughs> technician. Yeah, this is fancy. I wasn't expecting this. I brought all my equipment, and you guys are already ready to rock and roll. This is great. <laughs> That's how we work. <laughs> when we were ro- walking in here, we actually got some good news. Why don't you tell us about it? We just got over a $1,000 contribution. Uh, on the Kickstarter, which took us to over $17,000 funded on our goal, which is $20,000. So we're about 85, almost 90% there with only three days to go. So we're getting really, really close and really excited. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this uh, so quickly. I mean, we just started talking the other day. We wanted to make sure this got out as fast as possible, so we spread yeah. the word and gets as many it, any little bit helps guys even if it's just a dollar or five dollars you're contributing to local art especially if you guys here in denver colorado springs area it's important to really get this going not just because i really liked your script but also because i it's important to me to get denver colorado in general out there as a legit art state whether if it's like because we do wrestling like how good the wrestling is here the yeah. filmmakers the writers the comic book artists music yeah music yeah. there's there's a great scene here uh, Neil here is a traveling uh, musician and uh, he was telling me like he's toured with Chelsea Wolf they just you know through that a lot of people don't know that name well, nice. I mean yeah. they should but even then like that's how good it is here is everyone's kind of connected and everyone really helps each other out so again it's an honor to get this going mm-hmm. but uh, let's let's talk about the movie yeah you bet what uh. Any questions to start off? Oh, yeah, well, look, look, I remember you mentioned uh, that this all came from a dream. Yeah, it was uh, just one of those things. It wasn't really a dream with a full like beginning, middle, and end. It was one of those more quick images of something from a computer that you know felt there was something there, and it was just something. It was a uh, the the number bars, you know, the, like levels that show like um, for a that's what we're gonna be looking for for like a like scale on like how much you're gonna make or you know like oh, uh, for um, grossing and grossing yeah that's that's the word I'm looking <clears throat> for thank you <laughs> um, and something was there and I started thinking about it more and then all of a sudden this this plot line came along of somebody going online to date a new dating site called Compatible and it's a new app where people can judge the person's dates. So, like, they could get gain followers, and people could log in, and it's all interactive and on video. So it's sort of a new form of, not really found footage, but it kind of has that feel about it. Gotcha. Or, uh, like, uh, searching or unfriended, uh, where it's all on the computer. Gotcha. And the whole plot line unfolds through video storytelling. Are you going to be using different types of, uh, like, cinematography to tell different stories? Um, we are going to be shooting on the red cam. For some of the shots, we probably will be doing, like, iPhones and things like that mm-hmm. just for the the, real, the realism and the, the right. effect of what they're, you know, doing, like, their FaceTime on or, you know, what have you. If, like, the mom is calling in on a phone, like, we'll probably actually shoot that on a phone. Like the user base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Yeah, plus uh, using that sort of like uh, grassroots type uh, filming, it really kind of puts people in perspective that they can actually be there and be part of it as opposed to something that's too fancy for them. It, like when something's a little bit too polished, like it's not that I don't like it right off the bat, but I start questioning um, how someone with a lot of money was influencing where this should have gone as opposed to like when you hear that Rob Zombie's never going to release the the cut, the director's cut of House of a Thousand Corpses when it should have been like 45 minutes longer. Yeah. And that that bothers me. That, that's what I'm getting at in terms yeah. of that. So like when I'm eager to see this film because I know that this is a, this is true from your heart also mm-hmm. because you're you're going to slave over what gets cut and what doesn't get cut. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, what's the reception been like when you first started? Obviously, you can tell your friends that sort of thing. Or it was it was pretty much right off the bat. Um, to be honest, the first person I really pitched the idea to was Eileen Deeds, who plays the um, demon Captain Howdy in The Exorcist that originally possesses Reagan. And I had pitched her the idea before even sending her the script, and she loved the idea of the story and signed on before even reading the script. How'd you get a hold of her? I contacted her through Facebook, surprisingly, and... You slid into her DMs? Yeah, just, <laughs> I was like, hey, I know we've got a lot of mutual friends in common, um, we've, you know, liked a couple of posts, you know, and stuff, but we hadn't really conversed, I said I have a project I'd like you to be a part of, Exorcist is one of my favorite films of all time. Agreed. And we just started talking, and we've become really good friends, and she's also come on as a co-producer. That's a scary thing to do to reach out to someone that's on the scene like that. Uh, you got to have the guts to do it, and at least like your backbone, you had the story. Like that's that's excellent. Especially yeah. she latched on so fast. You've got a lot of other names attached to this as well. Yeah, it's just really blown up. I mean, at first it was just her and a couple local crew, and we we really had no idea where it was going to go. Uh, we flew her out to shoot her scenes just to kind of see what the re- the reaction and the response was going to be. And as soon as we started filming, she loved the experience, and she's like, I want to help out more, like, I can bring on, you know, a few people, and that's where my producer, Angela Joseph, came on, and she brought on Joseph Kelly, and Joseph Kelly brought on Ari Lehman, who was the original Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. That's exciting. So, for a horror fan, yeah, on my first feature film... You're, 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 I'm geeking out. You're yeah. in the presence. <laughs> totally, totally. You're literally in the presence of a literal Tom Savini canvas. Yeah, exactly. Which, which, like, like he touched you, made you art. Like yep. the, the the Savini thing. Just, just tell me about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that. Exactly. Like I'm like I can't wait to get to that day of set where I can just have conversations with both of them in the same tell like, room. Like I'm yeah. like. We're gonna just put filming off for like two hours, and we're gonna—I'm gonna just pick your brain <laughs> on, you know, like all the inside info on Friday the Thirteenth, like what's Sean Cunningham like, you know, what's William yeah. Friedkin like. Um, I already know uh, Eileen's opinion on a few of the other people from The Exorcist. We won't go into that, but um, yeah, no, it's just—it's been a great experience. And then Jared got in touch with us through film funding on Facebook, and. It's all been about networking. Yep. Um, that's really what it's been. And it's just, it's really blown up. I've done like four or five podcasts and brought like live broadcasts to promote it. Mm-hmm. People have reached out to me just like, hey, how can I be a part of this? Um, so it's, it's a very relevant project and story for the independent scene. And I think it's going to be really something special. Now, I want to pepper throughout the, the interview here. Uh, how do we find the Kickstarter? 
Kickstarter, yeah. So you could go there. Uh, as we said before, we have three days left. We're kind of at the 11th hour right now. We have a lot of really great perks. Um, and there are, you know, it's until fully funded, um, but we're pretty much there. But we could use that extra push. Uh, anything extra helps with uh, equipment and, you know, making sure the cast and crew are fed. Um, you know, everything's taken care of, all the technical stuff. What do they search for, though, to find it? Um, it would uh, compatible a screen life thriller, um, and it's it's one of the top uh, Kickstarter campaigns yep. uh, up there right now. Yeah, if they go straight to the Kickstarter page and then they search compatible uh, or movies or horror movies, like it'll it'll pop up. Yep. Um, we've been uh, number one for quite a while, I think. Yeah. Like pretty much since we started in the horror um, field on Kickstarter, I think it was like. 16, over 1,600 other horror films, and we were, like, at the top of that list just right off the bat. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's just been really flattering that it's just been this huge, like, phenomenon almost right off the bat. Any of the directors I've ever met or producers have really had a stick up their ass, and it's nice in uh, a nice breath of fresh air to speak to you gentlemen. Uh, one of the things I like about directors and or just in regards to in parallel to their movies is getting to know them on a personal level like for example i've listened anytime i see a podcast with eli roth on there i want to know i want to learn everything i can mm-hmm. about the guy because he's absolutely yeah, so interesting is a fantastic podcast yeah it, exactly that's, that's great yeah well, he was on uh, chris jericho y2j my heroes podcast talking about his favorite genre of movies is actually 80s teen sex romps like mm-hmm. screwballs and that sort of thing uh let's get to know you a little bit more mm-hmm. you you both gentlemen absolutely uh, let's start out uh, with you. Tell me about, uh, obviously, horror is a passion for you. Well, where did it start? Um, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, it was... I'm a very avid reader. Um, so it really started with reading before even movies. Um, goosebumps were a big, big start for me. What as was your favorite as, Goosebumps? Oh, God. Um, that's a tough one. I really, honestly, like... I like the first probably 50 books. I ate them up like candy. Monster Blood. Yeah, Monster Dead Blood. House. The first one, Welcome to Dead House. Yeah. Uh, one Day at Horrorland. Uh, the Haunted Mask. The Night of the Living Dummy. Yeah. Like, those are all great. I mean, everyone's afraid of dummies. Yeah. And when a writer like R.L. Stein, you know, creates that kind of a thing, it's just like, oh, boy, this is going to go downhill real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't turn them out fast enough. Um, for me when I was a kid. And since I've become a filmmaker, I've also talked to him on social media a little bit. And it's really cool because he's bigger than Stephen King as far as, like, a young adult writer and stuff goes. So to be able to talk to one of my idols as a horror fan and creator now, it was it was huge. And the fact that he was so humble, you know, to actually come back to me was, was really cool. Did you graduate to Fear Street as well? Fear Street, yep. Fear Street. Um, and then, of course... On, on to Stephen King. Yeah. Um, like every every kid when they hit about 12 or 13. Um, but, now, yeah. Was it the books, or were you talking movies that really hooked you when it comes to horror? It started with the books, for sure. Um, I really started reading more Stephen King before watching the movies. Stand By Me was the first movie of King's that I'd ever seen. But I didn't realize that was Stephen King until I got a little bit older. And then read different seasons and found out that it was the adaptation of the body. The body, yeah. Um, and that, in my opinion, is probably one of the top five best adaptations of Stephen King's work. And I'm sure he agrees with most most of the reviews on that one. That what it ab- still is. What about movies uh, when you first started? Movies. Um, 
films. Poltergeist was one of the early horror movies that really got me into like just the supernatural and special effects and just seeing how that was done it just blew me away and it still holds up uh, Jurassic Park was the one that really got me into wanting to be a director though that was the film that really wanted me to help me be a director are you going to be using like uh, practical special effects or are you going to do CGI uh, we are doing all practical that, that, uh, made, that made my heart flutter <laughs> we are doing all practical um, if we can help it we will not do any CGI except for like the end credits um, you know um but, yeah, we're using uh, Evil John Mays, who's a local makeup effects artist. I've worked with him on a couple of shorts. We actually did a Stephen King Dollar Baby short film together, and that was like a million-dollar production value right there just with his makeup effects. Um, so that was I'm excited to see what we can do on a full feature. That's awesome. And, Mr. Jared, like, uh, how did you get involved in the project? Uh, well, you know, there's this little thing called Facebook, and, you know, when you're bored... You tend to surf, and I um, have been in working on some uh, previous films, and uh, I decided to jump on the uh, Find Network that's based out of Denver here, and I came across the Kickstarter post that one of the uh, uh, executive producers, Angela, mm-hmm. uh, had po- uh, posted, and started looking at it, and got in contact with Gino and Joseph Kelly and Angela, and started talking with them, and after um, Gino had told me what his movie's about from his point of view, I kind of saw myself, uh, you know, because coming from the military, I was on tons of dating websites, tons of dating apps, and, you know, when you are going on these dates, and then there's that afterthought, well, what what could happen? What could go wrong? Yeah. I just kind of fell in love with the fact of his storyline, of where it's going to go, and I'm like... This, this is something that could be practical uh, in, in our modern day. So uh, I basically said, you know what, I'm in, and uh, here we are. Yep. Just, to, just to help our listeners out that are looking <clears throat> to get involved in any sort of local indie scene, is what sort of uh, particular etiquette would you guys give to our listeners to be able to approach uh, you guys? Because obviously, you know, people get the nerves. Like you guys obviously had the nerve to take that extra step. How would someone approach you via, like, how would you prefer someone to approach you via, you know, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing? It's a good question, because I've actually had a couple of people recently do that, and the way that they've done it more is like, hey, I've got a project, you know, here's a script, do you think you'd be able to, it's like, well, my 2020 is, like, looking to book up here, so, like, I can't just, like, say, I've got a bunch of my stuff that, my own stuff that, you know, I've got going, that so I can't really promise to help too many other people out unless it's from a previous you know business you know experience or whatever um but if they're interested in helping out otherwise like on set and gaining some experience and building up their own network like if they're in colorado specifically like we'd be happy to have you on the set and helping out because we can use as much help as we can get um, what sort of opportunities are there for people that want to help out and get started in the film industry or just networking here in Colorado? Oh, there's all kinds. I mean, you just have to have the ambition and the motivation to constantly go out and look for it. It's not going to come to you. Well, I mean, like, uh, in your movie particularly, oh, in our like, particular. like what, sort of, what sort of spots would someone with no experience be able to yeah, I mean, help we, you out with? We've got, you know, abilities for, you know, some production assistance, um... We're actually going to be shooting one of the scenes here at the Mutiny Cafe. 
um, for about a day or so, and we'll, we'll need help with, like, setting up lights and probably, you know, foot traffic outside, you know, making sure people kind of stay within a range so that they're not trying to come in the store while we're filming or if right. it's during hours or whatever. Should um, they bring, like, a resume or something like that or just, no, just, just be here? Yeah, just be here, and we'll, we'll put up posts and stuff on Facebook. We have our compatible Facebook page, um, which is under Compatible, a Screen Life Thriller. Um, and you just type in compatible, it'll pop up on, on Facebook because it's all over the place. What's the tentative date to start shooting? We are shooting January 27th through the 31st. Tw- 26th through the 31st, really. We're doing a sort of a pre-production with some of the p- key people on the 26th and then shooting through the 31st. Uh, what, what are you, where are you going to start? Like, you can start, like, uh, right off in the nitty-gritty, or are you going to start? Yeah, I mean, we're, we have everyone coming in. We rented out a, a great Airbnb. That's a, this amazing mansion-looking thing that on any other set would have been, like, a $5 million location. It's gorgeous. Um, so we're having the entire cast and crew pretty much stay there, like the key people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're utilizing that entire location as a filming location as well as housing for the actors. So it's going to be sort of like a camp almost for like a week. So you're starting off doing it the right way. So one of the things if I was an actor would be worrying about whether or not this director is going to take care of me or the producer is going to yeah. take care of me. So mm-hmm. you, you've, got a, you've got a safe space set up right off the bat mm-hmm. to put it, people at ease. Uh, let, let's talk about more about the story because you, you give me more of the gist of it. What would you say makes it a horror movie, though? I think what makes it horror is just that fear, like Jared said, what could happen on these dates. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but like kids today are dating earlier and earlier, and the way for them to get out there and date is through social media, through apps, and everything is online. Yep. People don't just go out and meet. So it's really scary for our younger generation that... They're going out and meeting these people that they have no idea if they're saying that they're the age that they are or, you know, they don't do background checks or anything. You know, they don't, yeah. like, do their research on the person. Catfishing. Yeah, and it's like it could be anyone, like, a 13-year-old could accidentally hook up with a 20- or a 50-year-old and they just they don't know who they're hooking up with. And the person has a, you know, teenage photo on there. Yep. Yeah. And so it's, they, it's really scary. Yeah. And I think that's really what makes it horror, and it's more psychological horror than straight up horror horror. Yeah, because yeah. I was about to ask, like, without giving too much of the story away, yeah. like, what, what sort of like, is it supernatural? Uh, yeah, demons? no supernatural. Um, surprisingly with all of the supernatural iconic actors that we have on board, it's not supernatural. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's all it's all just real life horror. Uh, these, um, these things could really happen, and they do. Happen. And they have, <laughs> and you know, you never know. You know, like you know, Gino was saying, you you don't know who's on the other side of that connection, whether right. you're on your phone or your, your computer, and you know, you don't know what their intention is. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you walk away from that conversation, did you really gain anything, or did you create a monster? Because we all are our own worst enemy because we start tearing each other up thinking about the worst case scenarios. Yeah. And then you got your, your friends were like, dude, you better be careful, you know, and things like that. And, you know, I think. And, yeah, and that's, that's exactly what, you know, like the, the mom and the dad character and the, the sister character all ask her, like, is this dating app thing really safe? 
Mm-hmm. Like so, I mean, there's that. There's no guarantee. voice of reason on the on her shoulder, like saying, "Should you really be doing? Like, can't you just like be introduced to people through friends or yeah, especially yeah, like who who does that anymore? Yeah. Um, right? <laughs> so I mean, it, 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 the those questions are asked <clears throat> of the main character in the film, and she still does her own thing because people like to be independent and have control. But in that kind of situation, there really is no control because they don't know who they're going to see. So it's right. kind of an ironic oh, yeah. situation right there. It's going to make people really think. I remember when I was re- reading as much of the script as I could because um, I just got it yesterday, um, well, the other night. But uh, even then, what really is a horror film? Is it just like slashing monsters? No, it's, it's not really. Like I would consider 7 or 8 millimeter, both written by Andrew Kevin Walker, mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. Like it... it Eight millimeters, it, it just in, in regards to yeah. like your the parallel for the dating app, mm-hmm. when she's out there making, you know, she thinks she's making just some low budget porno and ends up being, being the, the last a, a snuff yeah. film. And then, uh, not to mention the types of people that it, that movie itself, and I definitely want to stay on this level just to make yeah. some good parallels here for with eight millimeter, was all the like Nick Cage uh, being the the green person, like he doesn't know anything about this sort of underground life he, yeah. he meets Joaquin Phoenix and he's like yeah let me show you yeah and yeah. The, the further they go down that that awful rabbit, rabbit hole, hole. Yeah. they they meet the more and more like the guy that had he's like I got the most sick shit you ever seen you've got this he's got that that mystery old box of, yeah. of videos and then seeing the seeing the uh, the places Titles where these the, yeah yeah the videos it's like oh god yeah in, in order to meet these people you have to answer the ads on a mainstream porno mag that'll get you these the B darker. ones and then you further further down and seeing like the old school extent of what the dark web is now yeah like and it, it was the dark web before internet and that's yeah that's really i think that's even more horrifying is that there are ways to get that stuff and find oh, that yeah. stuff in, in regards to what we're talking about uh, expanding what horror actually means tell me about your writing process it varies from project to project um honestly like with this one came from the dream sat down wrote it I, I think I hounded it out in like a week it was a really quick process it was just one of those come to fruition ideas and it just it just flew out how many um, scripts have you written before this I've lost track um, I, <laughs> I've, I've been writing the first script I ever wrote was for a short back in like middle school so for over 25 years I've been writing scripts and um, I actually the way that I taught myself it was before all of the script programs and all of the books that are out now is before uh, final draft exactly yeah I mean I read I read Sinfield screenplay that was like the old, the only one that I could really find and it was like dated from 1974 so it was a little bit dated mm-hmm. uh, but it had the basic idea of structure in the script but to really get my head around it I found a book that I really liked and I'm like I'm gonna adapt this into a screenplay because I'm not quite sure how to structure an original movie I was like I think 15 or so I was in high school and sat down broke the book apart page by page pretty much transferred the book exactly word for word into a script just to see the format right and then from there I looked at movies that had been adapted from books and I was like okay what's different like ones that I had seen and ones that I had read at the same time to kind of compare them 
I'm like, okay, that's that's why that was changed. That's why that was changed. So it was all kind of a self-taught process. And then I went through the script of the direct, you know, script, you know, adaptation. And then I went scene by scene. I was like, okay, what will work in a movie? And what will do this? We'll do this. And then I looked at some of the films that were really highly regarded as like the best adaptations and saw what they did. So I took it from scratch and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do now. Right. And then completely rewrote it again. It's 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 different when you're breaking it down that way, especially when you're learning to be a writer because you have to start paying attention to what's actually happening within the pages in between the words. Mm-hmm. Like right here we're building tension. Right here, like you have to realize, okay, we've had nothing but like tragedy. We need some bit of comic relief just for a second mm-hmm. to, to just lighten it so that we don't lose the audience because yeah. if they're there for just like brutality, but you realize you, there's only so much you can actually take. Yeah. yeah like back to eight millimeter, there was, there was no redemptive quality to that. There no, was, there was no ha ha laugh. There was, it was just like, you go straight down and I'm then slip my wrist by the end of this. Movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, God. Yeah. I saw that by myself in the theater and like, it, something just drew me to that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm looking for as, as a writer, as someone that enjoys other people's art, I'm looking for that in your movie, actually mm-hmm. not that specific type of, of ending. I'm talking about, I want that. I want that feeling that I'm shaking. I don't know what just happened and I need to digest uh, and from what I've read so far I, I think you're going to be able to give it to us Yeah. Um, whether if it's horror or it's going to make someone laugh just a little bit yeah. here or there um, so that script you're talking about that's where that's the one that started you that's the one that started me and yeah it was really before like I said all the stuff that's online nowadays where you know you can buy your online courses from like Ron Howard and like Academy Award winning filmmakers like it's like I didn't have that 20 years ago, like, so I had to teach myself, like, I had to teach myself in-camera editing on an old VHS camera when I was shooting my films for school, you know, and I would, I would do short films instead of papers for school, and I worked that out with my teachers, I'm like, it's hard for me to just sit down and do an assignment just like that, like, it's too boring for me, I'm like, so can I take the subject matter that you want me to do and make a short film from it? Do you grow up here? I did, yeah. Yeah. Where'd yeah. you go to high school? I went to Overland. Yeah. How was it? It was okay. Um, I wish they'd had a bigger arts department. Um, the theater was very kind of exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you were kind of big in middle school and, like, kind of moved in that way, like, it was really hard to get into that clique. Um, so I did some theater in high school, but I did more out in community theater than I did in my actual high school. Um, but... You know, we had done a few things. We did some of the um, student-directed shows and stuff like that where we were able to kind of take control of the the stuff. But, yeah, I I ended up kind of building my own team of people in high school and shooting stuff for projects and things like that. What were you guys, like, just drooling over then? Like, music, books, what were you guys into? Um, back then, I mean, it was... X-Files was still really big. It It was still on the air, so, like, seeing that... You know, Twin Caesar, Peaks. Twin Peaks. I love yes. Twin Peaks. Um, and uh, yeah, anything like David Lynch or, um, of course, Stephen King throughout high school was really just anything that he put out. Like he was kind of like the R.L. Stein when I was not, like he couldn't put them out fast enough. Now he's like consistent. So, <laughs> like I never have to worry. Like every four to five months, I 
that's when you gotta wait for another Stephen King. By the time we finish this podcast, he's probably written three books. Yeah. So. <laughs> Depends on how good that Coke is there in Maine, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think he's good on, on all done with that, he's but yeah, he probably it. still has that mindset when he's like working on a story. He's probably like, "Where was I when I was writing Cujo?" It's like I need that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of my favorite. Uh, I was reading an interview with uh, Brett Easton Ellis, and they're like, well, "Would you ever uh, do a American Psycho 2? And he's like, "Fuck no." Like, <laughs> do you have any idea where my mind was when I when I wrote that? Yeah. There's nothing you can. Sequelized. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing you can dangle in front of my face that'll make me go back to that yeah, spot. It'd be to like t- asking William Burroughs to do a sequel to Naked Lunch. <laughs> it's yeah. quite the like, It's like, no, those just don't, no, you cannot do sequels to those. Like, even Naked Lunch, I still, like, get tripped out when I reread it. It's just like, wow, like, this is crazy stuff. And the fact that those books were able to translate into film as well as they did was was amazing. Where, where were you up here when you were writing Compatible? I needed to get something out there that I could consider a calling card in the film industry. Like your Reservoir Dogs? Like, yeah, exactly, because I've had a more false starts than I can count. Right. Um, probably as many scripts as I've written <laughs> over the years, and it's, it's just at that, I was at that point where okay, I need something to happen now and I'm going to make it happen because, like I said before, you can't just expect it to come to you. Was this your Hail Mary? It was, kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, if if it doesn't work, you know, writing and directing, maybe I'll just write and try to sell stuff for a while and then kind of see where it goes. But I'm I'm a writer at heart, so I'll always be writing. So that'll never go away. Um, I'll always try to be working on someone's project or someone else's project, helping out where I can, just building up that network. So when it comes to the point where, okay, I've got enough people where I can do this for this amount of money, mm. you know, and finally I got there and I'm like, I just need that one idea that's going to take me to that level. And then compatible happened and it was sort of a, you know, blessing in disguise because it was like, I need this now. Mm. <laughs> And uh, Jared, you, you, you're doing the same thing too, just networking your ass off. Oh yeah. Uh, who you who you work with uh, around the scene here? <clears throat> um, well, my the, the the film that I'm actually just getting off of uh, is uh, Jurassic Thunder, which is uh, directed by Milko Davis. He's out of Colorado Springs. Um, I know a few actors here in uh, in Denver um, that are in that movie, um, and then a couple in the Springs. And basically, it's just. If you really want it, like Gino said, you know, you're, you're going to make something happen. The passion's going to be there. And so that's, some people ask me, well, why don't you just move to, to L.A. or Hollywood to, to pursue your acting career? And I was like, well, first I need a little bit of money because if yeah. I just move there, I'm going to be broke and I don't want to exactly. be in that situation. So mm-hmm. uh, I got myself in a, a plan and um, now it's not only taking care of my financial aspects, but also... Pursuing a uh, not a not a, not a hobby. Uh, this is this no, is something it's no longer a hobby. No, this yeah. is something that I've I've wanted to do since I was a kid. You know, being Mowgli in a school play, um, to doing different training videos, uh, working at a movie theater for three years while Carmack was around. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, doing uh, doing movie promotions. Uh, one of them was uh, Insidious. Uh, I believe it was the second chapter, chapter two. Um, and 
I put a little skit together with me and my crew, and not only did I act it and direct it, but when I finally put it out there and we competed, I got sixth in the uh, in the company as far as promoting that movie, and I was like, okay, I think I've got something here, and I just wanted to keep pursuing, pushing myself out there, uh, and I networked with a couple people uh, from the movie, uh, movie theater chain, uh, which got me onto Jurassic Thunder. Uh, Elvis Sharp was the guy that connected me, and then next thing you know, I've got a couple other uh, projects on the side right now. I'm just waiting for the green light of when those are going to fire. And so, in the meantime, I said, "Hey, you know, let's let's see what else is out there." And then along came Gino's film. But uh, I, one thing I want to point out about that Kickstarter, though, is. Uh, it's not just the Kickstarter help, that you the, can search for at yep. Kickstarter.com and search for uh, compatible. compatible. Yes, um, help make that goal. Uh, not only are are the people out there going to be helping finance or fund this movie, but there's also perks on there for the different aspects of con- uh, contributions. So you could walk away with a movie prop uh, from some of these individuals that Gino's uh, you know mentioned. Um, signed you, Jason mask. Uh, a signed script. Uh, you know, you, just all kinds of stuff. So, you know, when you when you're thinking about it, just don't think about okay. Well, I'm I'm going to put my money out there and not get anything back. There are ways for you to actually walk away with something, something that's back. got some mm-hmm. value to it. And for the even bigger uh, investors, we do have a uh, point system for a certain amount that you put in. Uh, you know, you'll get a percentage back on the film. So if you're a bigger investor and want to come in, you know, when we get our stretch goals going, um, that that would really help us out with, you know, just anything extra for marketing and promotion <coughs> and stuff like that. Let, let's talk about Colorado in general right now, because uh, yeah. one of the main reasons I moved here is because I feel like this place is ripe. Um, there's, I never go to Denver and not meet three friends I'm going to keep. And and vice versa. How would you guys describe the scene here in, in regards to filmmaking? I mean, is it something that you feel is ready to pop? Do you feel like it's like a hotbed right now, and all the right the right people need to get here, or the right people need to just start actually doing it? It can be yes. Um, I think right now we're being slightly overshadowed by New Mexico, and because we, of the Netflix thing in Albuquerque, yeah, that and just yeah. I mean because of their incentives that they have, it's just. It, they have so much more available, I think, because they're closer to L.A. a little bit. Um, but Colorado and Denver, I think, is is on the way there. I think we're going to be kind of riding on their coattails here really shortly. But it just needs the right projects to really get it going. And that's, I think, what's great about Compatible is that about, I'd say about... It's 60-40, and 60% is Colorado cast, crew, locations. You know, most of it is here in Colorado, so we're getting the word out there about Colorado. So when we do, like, a premiere in L.A., we'll be mentioning Colorado, so people are going to be like, oh, Colorado might be a hot place to go. Let's go check that out. So hopefully that will kind of bring people here a little bit. I think think Colorado is just about at that boiling point where things are going to be noticed and going to start popping, uh, like you're saying. Um, everything is at the simmer moment, and it's getting spicy. But once that boiling point hits, uh, you know, I think Colorado will be right up there with New Mexico. And 
will be one of the places that a lot of actors will or be. Seattle or, yeah. you know, something like that. Do you like it enough to want to stay here and keep that business going, or...? I'd like to help keep bringing business here. Like with Jared, I ideally would like to move out to L.A., mm-hmm. um, or at least California in general, um, just to get things moving a little bit quicker, because when I, when I start moving on a project, I like to move fast. Not being able to sit down and have coffee with somebody and it's all over the phone drives me insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a very like physical person. I like to see people face to face and talk. And the fact that Jared is here in Colorado and that we're able to do this, yeah. it really kind of is going to I think expand on that working relationship and friendship also. And that's that's really what I'm about. And it is hard to find those types of really solid connections here in Colorado as far as to get the films off the ground. I've been lucky enough that I've been able to pull people in off of social media and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I think it would be better suited for me to be out in in California in the long run. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But speaking of friendship, like when it comes to the people here, anyone off the top of your head that people or listeners should check out? Because it's one of my favorite things is getting you guys to, you know, you know, give props to the people who deserve it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone on the crew, which, of course, you could find on our IMDb page, Cast mm-hmm. and Crew. Um, my husband has his own jewelry page on Etsy uh, mm-hmm. called Midnight Shadow Jewelry. Uh, we're actually revamping for 2020. We had a big uh, buyout in uh, at the end of last year, actually. So he's, he's kind of revamping uh, his page. And it's uh, catered to uh, gothic jewelry. I love it. Um, so it's obviously, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's been huge. We we uh, shipped all over the world, um, and it's you know it's a really um, unique uh, piece of work. And I'm not just saying that because I'm married to him. Yeah. Um, but I've seen the work that he's works by himself. He puts in all the work himself, and he'll just out of out of the blue, he'll just be like, "Oh, I got an idea for a brooch or a necklace or earring." I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin mm. on how to do that. I do appreciate you being so open to me, by the way. Uh, it, I love, it's one of my favorite parts about living here in Colorado is it doesn't matter. Love is love. Like, mm-hmm. uh, how'd you guys meet? Tell me about your husband. Coincidentally, we met online. Um, Is there someone in the movie that's kind of like him? (laughs) No, but he will be doing the production design and helping out a lot. Um, He helps me out a lot on sets. Uh, He did the uh, production design and hair for my short film, Better Late Than Dead, uh, which was pretty well received, which can be seen in the Kickstarter uh, link also. Um, So you can see some past work of ours. And the makeup guy who is coming on, John Mays, he did the makeup for that as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we met online in nine years this summer. Dude, that's like an infinity for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I think the longest on and off relationship I had with someone was like three years, but wow, nine years? Like, yep. Congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's been a, it's been an amazing ride. I love him to death. Brian, love you. I'll have you listen to this later. <laughs> <laughs> do, you guys, do you ever find a problem with anyone here, like, giving you guys shit for that? No, not at all. I mean, I, I'm the type of person, especially making LGBT cinema and being such a supporter of all, you know, walks of life, I, I don't put up with intolerance yeah. at all. Um, I will not put up with it on my sets. I will not put up with it in my day-to-day life, day job, anything. And I will voice my opinion if I'm feeling that I'm being um, talked down to, looked down upon, condescended, whatever, you know, like, I, I don't put up with it. And that's one thing people learn about me real quick. I read that in a uh, 
in a uh, interview with Daniel Levy a couple days ago, as mm-hmm. I will not put up with intolerance, uh, we were discussing uh, a little bit about like why I was liking his writing so much the other night. Uh, tell me more about the the scene type movies now, because when I'm I'm 37, when I was growing up, there was very little. I mean, like Welcome to the Dollhouse, but I'm a cheerleader, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, like if if someone was looking to express themselves more, like you obviously know more me about more than me about movies. Uh, in regards to that community, like any other recommendations? As far as like LGBT cinema? Yes, sir. Um, well, of course, I mean, there's the more mainstream stuff like Love, Simon, which was one of my favorites of the last probably five or ten years. Um, I just thought that was so true to how I think that genre should be broached upon, and that's kind of what I've done with a lot of my stuff is having that more positive reaction to to kids and young people coming out instead of the negative reaction because in the 80s and early 90s like at the post-AIDS epidemic and stuff it was all very depressing like you know to tell a gay story the character had to be dying of AIDS or being rejected from his family or her family for coming out or you know whatnot there was there was rarely a character in those stories that was like I love you for who you are I don't care Mm -hmm. it's it's just now kind of becoming a matter of fact like okay so there's a gay character mm. like the, but that's what propels the story and how that character you know embraces the people around them and how they treat them for who they are it's just a matter of how you perceive the people you interact with I think and then if they see you as a person it, it really shouldn't matter Yeah. so yeah did you put that into the movie at all? This one, strangely not, um, as far as on camera, but a lot of the film family crew and cast are LGBT-based. Mm-hmm. So, um, as far as like people working on the film, yes, we are very uh, LGBT-friendly, of course. Yeah, obviously. So. <laughs> so, so you don't feel an obligation to always put that in your movies, then? No, not at all. Um, there, There's definitely stories where it's right for it and then there's some that just aren't I mean there's there's some where I'll try to like put a spin on it and have a character that might be gay or lesbian or transgender or you know binary or whatever mm-hmm. um, but if I'm trying to sell a script to the market going in it from a business perspective depending on who I'm trying to sell it to mm-hmm. they might not be as open minded about it so I have to be open-minded of what they're looking for, too, if I want to make a sale. Right. And then when I make the money that I, you know, can, I can put that money into those types of projects where I can utilize that type of storytelling. Do you get any pressure from the LGBT... I, was, I always can never say it right. LGBT. LGBT community to put that into your movies. and mm, No, no, not at all. Um, the stuff I have put out, though, has been extremely well received my short film Shoes which starred Elias Harger who ended up breaking out into a Fuller House and was nominated for a Teen Choice Award a couple of years ago yeah you mentored him right um, yeah just kind of got him started and he'd done two shorts with me and then just blew up um, super proud of the kid and his family and where they gone but um, yeah that, that film has been accepted all over the world I've had teachers actually reach out to me from Africa and Germany and Canada and saying, can we show this in our school for acceptance for Pride Month? 
That's and awesome. I said, yeah, of course. I'm like, if you want me to do like a video call or something like I'm open to doing something like that. But yeah, it's been shown all over the world. Um, How old were you when you knew? Young. I'm in grade school. Grade school? Yeah, grade school. I didn't come out until I was about 18 or 19. Um, it wasn't out of fear. It was just I didn't know mm-hmm. like how to do it or because I didn't know anyone else that was or that I knew of at the time. Right. Anyway, um, since I've gotten older, I've got cousins that are out and have families and everything. So it's compared to 20, 25 years ago, it's definitely changed a lot. I have younger cousins that have recently come out and friends right. and I'm like, would not have expected great to have you a part of the extra family (laughs) how was your family with you when you came out amazing they've they've been extremely supportive of me and anyone that i'm you know in a relationship with um luckily with you know my husband and stuff we've we've had a really good go and his family's really good with it and he actually didn't come out until about after the first year that we were together wow so that was the first time he came out so i gave him the courage to to come out seeing that I was able to be as open with my family as I was. Um, that's, so. that's, that's so important. And one, one of the stigmas that I, I really wish would go away, and I don't know if it would ever go away, I hope eventually humans will evolve past it, because I, I had someone that was really close to me when uh, they told me that they were gay, like, what am I going to tell my family? And I'm like, well, you can look at it, in my opinion, because I'm part of the community as well. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I just, I like pretty things. <laughs> like, that's really only way i can really break it down to it's like well straight people don't have to go mom dad i'm straight, I'm straight. oh god no yeah i loved that take on that yeah yeah it, it doesn't have to be that way mm-hmm. if you feel you have to do it but at the same time though like most parents know yeah my mom knew i was i'm like well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> like, I would, it would have been great to know. Love you, Mom. But I would have loved to know when I was five. <laughs> you yeah. know, like... But I, did, I just didn't know because, I mean, we kind of grew up a little bit more conservative, you know, when I was a kid. But it wasn't that, like, fire and brimstone, like, conservative. And it wasn't like, oh, all gays are going to hell kind of yeah. family at all. It wasn't that at all. It's just it was never talked about, so I didn't know how to broach it. Right. Um, I think the first novel that I ever read with a gay character was um, Stephen Dabowski's Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. And that was in, like, ninth grade, 1999. So, yeah, I had just started high school. That was the first character in literature that I had read that was, open, like, openly gay. And so it was... Less than zero. Oh, yeah, I didn't read that until I was a little bit older, like, 11th or 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't... I don't remember if I picked up on that or not when I was in high school. Mm. And I reread it, like, probably about five or ten years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it. But, yeah, no, it was, that was really kind of the, the upbringing that I had. But, yeah, the, my family's been great. Um, you know, they're, they're very open and accepting and everything, so, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and, and our listeners. Now, I know it's, like, it might not have anything to do with your movie, but I would like to consider myself and what my work I do is something that can help the community, so that yeah. definitely very appreciated there. Yeah. I was kind of worried to even bring it up with you to get that oh, personal yeah. with you. No, but. I'm, I'm an open book, like, literally, and I'll, you know, let you know something's, yeah. <laughs> you know, not kosher or whatever, but it, it, I mean, it takes a lot to 
put me off on any conversation or topic and you know well it was important to me to ask you those sort of questions because i want people to actually feel like they're going to be able to get to know you Mm -hmm. and because like you can write a script and not really not say a lot about yourself yeah but at the same time though if your listeners can relate to you i want them to know that they can that your work is accessible and something that they can they can touch they can they can study yeah um Anything that you would that you studied in regards to writing the the movie itself, like that, that helped you flesh it out more. Yeah, I, I did go back and revisit uh, Searching and Unfriended because I had seen those in the theater, and it had been a little while since I'd seen them. But I was like, I kind of want to do it, you know, in that same style. But those are really the only few movies that have really done the entire movie on the screen like friend request it branched out and it actually you know it was more of a straight narrative but it did have the close-up on the computer screen but it wasn't like searching or unfriended so i went back and rewatched those and i'm like okay this is i see where they're going with these and why they were so successful i mean those were less than a million dollar budgets and they each grossed over 89 million dollars so just to to know that something new like that was able to grow an audience and there hasn't been any sense. I mean, they did the sequel to Unfriended, mm-hmm. but there haven't been any from like outside studios or producers. It's all been that team of people. Yep. And so <clears throat> I think with this, you know, it's kind of a perfect time. Um, so I'm like, I need to do something a little bit different with it, where it's not so much kind of just talking heads, right? Which is what those were. Um, and really kind of get the audience a little bit more involved. And so that's where I kind of came up with the idea of it being interactive and the viewers being able to watch what's going on. A, a little bit like the um, movie Untraceable, where the killer is having people come in and view, and every time somebody comes in, it causes the person to be tortured Yeah, more. It, it kind of has that effect, almost, um, but they can actually like see what's going on, and he can, and he can see them. So it's a vice versa. And he almost he in a way sort of holds them hostage, saying if anyone logs off, I'll do more damage to her. Right. Because he can see them online. So he's basically holding the world or whoever's watching hostage. Hostage. Yeah. hostage. So it's a it's a you know technology you know hostage situation. As a writer, what do you really pride yourself on, like, in terms of, like, are you good at building tension? Are you good at developing characters? Are you good at just fun plots? Mm, I think for me it's really uh, characters, especially when they're ones that I really relate to. They always kind of say, write what you know. Um, and it it's not so much what you know, it's, like, who you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of look at it that way. Like, I remember somebody telling me a story like this. Oh, that would make a great little plot point for a movie so I kind of put that so like each of those characters will have a little bit of memory of something that happened before so characters and dialogue um, is one thing that I really pride myself on and also um, that I've gotten the most compliments on like when I've submitted to contest and stuff um, they've you know said great dialogue you know maybe a little work on exposition but you know, everyone kind of has trouble with exposition. Right. So, and you need to uh, hurry yeah. it up here a little bit. Right? Yeah, because you're like, yeah. you're not writing a book. And, you know, since I started reading books before writing screenplays and stuff, you know, it's a whole different style of, of writing. But, I mean, it's definitely gotten stronger over the years as far as that goes. But, yeah, 
character and, and dialogue are the, the strong suits. Tell me about some of the, the more prevalent characters in the movie. For compatible? Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, there, there's Emily the main, which we've talked about. Um, there is Jean, uh, who is the face of compatible, and she's the one that sort of gives the person logging on to the app the the training video, so to speak, on how to set up the app and kind of what to look for in a date, um, you know, gives the disclosure, anything that happens to you on a date is not compatible's responsibility, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like... All the disclosures the, and navigation. Yeah, so it's kind of like a no-smoking kind of thing. It's like, they warn you ahead of time, so, any, you know, you kind of get a, it's a little bit of a foreshadow there that not everything is maybe going to turn out in the best light. Um, and that's played by Julianne Prescott, and she's fantastic. She's got a ton of stuff coming out. I'm kind of back to some other artists and stuff that have a lot of stuff going on. But, yeah, check her out on IMDb. She's got, like, I've lost track of how many things she's got coming out in the next oh, quite year. A, quite a few. Is she the one that was in uh, Tales of Halloween? Um, I saw that on the uh, I don't IMDb. have my phone on me. I don't want to say... Yes, right away, because <laughs> with, with everyone that's involved in the film, I mean, the the credits and the talent is insane, especially in the horror genre. Like, everyone is just, there's probably over 400 horror movies between everyone in the cast. Um, but yeah, we have G. Larry Butler, who goes way back to, like, American Flyers back in the 80s. That was his first movie shot out here in Colorado. He's been on, like, Perry Mason. Uh, he's playing the dad, uh, Mr. Taggart. Uh, Greg is played by Joseph Kelly, um, who has really come up. He was in A Star is Born with uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley That's Cooper. Awesome. Um, he had some solid screen time with them. He was John Cena's um, stand-in for Bumblebee. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Nice. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's coming up, and he's, he's been working around the clock. Uh-huh. Let's see. Looking up Julianne Prescott here. Sorry, Julie, I haven't had all your stuff memorized. I hope she forgives you. <laughs> oh, your phone is different. We'd have to go way down. I have no... When was that? Oh, I want to say, like, I think that movie was, like, 2010, something like that. She is in uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm. <laughs> um, the new trauma movie, which I can't wait for. Um, the Amityville. That's a word that always makes uh, Amityville sense. Harvest. She's in one of the new Amityvilles. Red Summer Massacre, that's one of her big ones. Uh, they've also got a, a campaign going. Ghoul, 2020. Got yeah, this is all like 2020. It's She's like got way a lot down there. Of stuff going on. But uh, teacher shortage, also with uh, my good friend Deborah Lamb, uh, who's in that, and she's got a lot of great stuff going. Uh, she was also in Clown Motel with Joseph Kelly, um, you know, who's who's on board, and he actually was able to bring on some uh, autographed uh, Halloween Michael Myers stuff from uh, Tony Moran, the original Michael Myers, that, on the Kickstarter the- perk. The one that you can uh, search for compatible. Uh, mm-hmm, exactly. Money to. Not to you know throw that in there at the last second, but yeah, yeah. You'll have to you'll have to ask Julie when when you have her on because she has so many. We're still in like twenty twenty, I think. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. Like you get like when I was look, going through the IMDb, it, it definitely made my mouth water. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be yeah. Good. Like, then you gave me the script and 
and then just getting to know you. This the past couple of days has been great. It's, you get that that feeling. Okay, someone yeah. like someone I can work with. Like because Jared had done a we had done a three way call. Yeah, and then right after I was like, hey, you got a minute to talk? And we talked for like almost two, two hours. hours after <laughs> yeah. that. Just yeah. like I'm like, wow, yeah. I think I found my new BFF. I told Brian that after we got off the phone, and he's like, huh. <laughs> yeah, finding legit goss is is kind of hard. Yeah, like, I was talking to the Neil here beforehand. It was it's like uh, we were. He mentioned Chelsea Wolf, and I was like, "Well, what is she like? Not not just is she a nice person, but is she one of those goths that it's like you know, if you don't like Susie and the Banshees, go fuck yourself. Yep. Or or if you don't if you don't have every single alien sex fiend on vinyl, mm-hmm. then uh, then then you don't belong in our crew, and, right? Yeah. It, it can be it can be shitty like that. We were talking Again, about that outside. Yeah, it, it's kind of the same way with film too. I mean, like. I had this one one friend that I knew for a while, and she was like, I'm going to go to Paris, and I got accepted to this really big film school, and I started talking to her about classic, like, French new wave yeah. films, and she had no idea what the hell I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I said, they are going to eat you alive out <laughs> there if you do not know who Francois Truffaut is, and, you know... Um, I'm having a blank right now, but yeah, like you know, just some of those those big names, you know, in the the French New Wave, and not not to mention just some of the the American classics or any other European classics. Like you, you kind of got to know film to be in the film industry. Um, yeah, you got to immerse yourself. Yeah, because I mean, especially if you're going to be a writer, director, um, or a producer, and you want to iterate to a crew who maybe only watches a certain type of movie, you need to be able to make references, like, I would like it to look something kind of like this. I'll be like, oh, okay, and then that, that might get them more excited. You know, so, like, if I hadn't seen The Searching or Unfriended, I wouldn't have known what to compare this to. Right. You know, so the fact that I've been able to use that as a reference, you know, has been really helpful because it's something more modern. Some of the more modern movies that I would hope people will reference, things like VHS, mm-hmm. uh, ABCs of Death. Um, yeah, all uh, those. Lately, like, well, the past, like, I want to say, like, eight, nine years, if there's a Magnet logo on it, like, give it to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Magnet, um, Bloomhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I love anything Bloomhouse does. Um, they're fantastic. Um, A24 puts out some interesting horror stuff. Yeah. Um, A24 is, like, kind of the big one. Um, they're a little bit more sporadic on it, though, mm. um, than Bloomhouse or, I mean, that's their brand, you know, kind of, so. I miss the way Lionsgate used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the May. Oh, uh, I May. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one just, I didn't know what to do with myself. I wish Lucky that. McGee would do something else like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, he's been kind of quiet for a few years. Like, I, I mean, unless I've missed something that he's done. Mm. But I usually look for those names that, like, you know, of movies that made an impact. Um, and I've, I've actually tried to work with uh, Jeremy Sisto, who was in May. Um, and he's another one I got in touch with through Twitter. Nice. And Sliding we were, we were talking. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. So, like, you know, he's, he's one that I'd really like to work with, too. Mostly because it's like, you know, all those horror movies, it's like I'd like to work with as many icons that, you know, really got me into the the business as I can. Another one I'm trying to work with is Tony Todd. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Who, who I know. And we've got a couple of things we're trying to develop together. We've wanted to work together for a while and we met through Twitter like almost two years ago <laughs> and like we've just become friends and we're like, let's work together soon. Like we wanted him on this, but he doesn't do non-union. 
Yeah. So it's it's really tough, and he just got off of the new Candyman. Um, yeah. So people um, don't understand that man's presence. Oh yeah, I just the first time I talked to him on the phone, I'm like. Yeah, there's like, like eight <laughs> different ways to geek out on that guy, whether you're into Star Trek or yeah. horror movies, that right. sort of thing. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was it, just the last the last couple of years, just networking on on social media has just been insane, and like, and that's that's really like the best advice I could give new filmmakers is social media. As much as it could be annoying, yeah, it can also be take you to the next level, and that's what it's doing with compatible and. Our crew, it's 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 adding on bigger and better names, and you know, and it's it's become a real big big family. Um, we've got Pat Kusnadi on it. Uh, he's playing one of the dates, um, as we mentioned, Ari Lemon uh, from Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, who else do we? Um, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> such a big group now. Uh, Bob Oliver, we got uh, my buddy Ryan Mercury, who's who's an up and coming filmmaker. I'm really excited to see what he's gonna do. Uh, he's gonna be coming in as one of the users, and he's also one of the uh, producers as well on the film. Um, and uh, Timothy uh, Dunnigan, uh, him and I were on the the Mahal's film um, Attack of the Unknown um, last year, which will be out uh, later this year. Uh, which stars Richard Grieco and uh, Tara Reid, Robert Lozardo. Um That was that was a really fun experience. We got Ron Russell, uh, Terrence Edmonds, Bergen Reese, who was playing our Emily. She's a local Colorado talent. This is actually going to be her first feature. Nice. Um, she's done some shorts and some theater, uh, but this is going to be her first feature. Um, and then we also have Dietrich Thrall, uh, Colorado uh, kind of local legend. Um, so yeah, that'll be you know we got a great group uh even even more coming on uh Alyssa dowling also can't forget Alyssa. um and we just brought on mindy robert robinson on the film and uh her husband uh, is also big in the wrestling scene from what i understand uh yes yes yeah. yes um the it, the name sounded kind of familiar when i was we were talking about him and i was like oh yeah and then i saw her picture and it's like oh yeah okay and she's got as much stuff coming out as Julie does. Like, it's just insane. So I got some catching up to do. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that you will cause write a little bit in for someone to just play a corpse just laying there. That'll be the, that'll be <laughs> the next movie. There's, there's going to – I got a something, little it's... something kind of that I'm working on. Um, I don't want to, like – throw it out there just yet because I want to see how it develops but there's there's definitely some room for some corpses in yeah because I, I know a guy that would love to be in as many movies as he can <laughs> as We're a dead body. To, we might have to cut your hair I don't know oh, man. Uh, that, that, no 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 I'm not doing that never, never again I can't, I can't alright we'll do a bald cap there we go there you go we'll do a bald cap um, but yeah no uh, just yeah just Help us get this first one made, and we can get those next ones made. So, yeah, like we were saying earlier, 5, 10, 15, 5,000, 5 million, whatever you got, um, we will be forever indebted to you. And um, we're almost almost there, and it's kind of that almost 11th hour, you know, where we really need that final push. Uh, we just, like we said earlier, we got a huge... Uh, I can feel you about that right now. <laughs> yeah, like we're just, yeah. we got that, like, really big push this morning, over $1,000, in less than less than five hours, it was right before we even started this. That's when the that's when that contribution came in. 
It's serendipitous, um, like we talked to the other day. Yeah, and I think we'll probably have another one by the time we're done here. Um, so, How yeah. do we find you on social media? I'll just type in my name, Gino Alfonso. Um, I do have a 5,000 friend limit right now, and it's maxed. <laughs> <laughs> but you can um, be a follower. Just, you can definitely Facebook. be a follower. Just Facebook. I am on uh, Twitter at Gino underscore Alfonso mm-hmm. um, and Instagram also, and I've got room there. Mm-hmm. So you can follow me on any uh, platform. Jared, how do we find you? Uh, well, uh, if if you find Gino, for <laughs> one, you could find me because yep. uh, we're <laughs> friends. But um, Jared Johnson, uh, it's kind of hard to say. If you find a... Uh, a profile that's got Armageddon Films as a banner, that's me. Um, other than that, I'm posting a lot of animal videos, like cats and dogs, because mm-hmm. I think they're awesome. But um, Or mostly compatible. Uh, I try to promote them as much as possible. Um, if you are wanting to take you know, the, this advantage of being a part of something, uh, you're like, well... It's 2020, and I want to. I want to do something different. I want to. I want to push my myself outside my normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to be a part of something big. Uh, this is your. This is your calling. I think. Uh, start your year off. Uh, be a part of something great, and um, I don't think you'll regret it. Even if you're not on set, you can keep up on the Facebook page. We'll have behind the scenes photos. When we're filming, uh, we'll try to uh, keep updated on behind the scenes videos. Um, but all that old come up like as we're in the the post-production process as well on the the facebook page so you can even keep up on like how a movie's made we'll have some really cool um you know how to's um like i kind of want to keep in the style of how robert rodriguez does his commentaries and behind the scenes where he's like kind of giving a little mini film school yeah um on how to do it and especially now with it being all digital and with the networking like we are you know, it's it's a whole new way of making movies. Like, we are the new Hollywood. Um, and this is how it's going to be getting done from now on. Um, we'll be doing them independently and then selling them to the bigger markets. And we definitely have a plan for that for this. And it's going to it's gonna be big. We do have worldwide distribution in mind. So it'll it'll be out there in Redbox and, you know, wherever. And, you know, we're going to... We're gonna get it out there. Hit that Apple, Apple TV or whatever it is. Yeah, that, maybe Dis- maybe Disney Plus. You think it's Disney Plus? Yeah, there we go. Plus. There we go. Now, right next to Family Guy. <laughs> I, will, I will say, like in in Denver, uh, there's a group, um, the Historic Elite the uh, Elitch Theater. Uh, Michael Bliss is uh, mm. the CEO of that. Um, he does all kinds of short film uh, little gatherings and stuff mm-hmm. like that between Denver and Colorado Springs. If you're ever wanting to kind of see what the industry is like, Blissfest three 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 exactly. Yeah. Yes, jump on those webs, uh, those pages on Facebook, and uh, get connected. Um, because one minute you might be sitting on one side of the screen watching, you know, something that you're interested in. The next thing, you know, it's this, yours. You, you get involved <laughs> yeah. and you become mm-hmm. part of that screen. So um, never know until you do. Exactly. And uh, for all my new listeners that I'm really eager to uh, see my uh, downloads go up from uh, Mr. Gino and Mr. Jared's attention here, uh, minefieldscomicspodcast.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Just look for Joshua Michael or just Minefields Podcast at Facebook. Uh, we do movies, wrestling, breakdown nice. of comic books. Awesome, just awesome. All about from a, a writer's point of view. You should talk with uh, the other uh, cast I did, uh, Devin Carey with iFilm Network. I would um, love to. 
because when I did his, uh, our views went up over 550 in less than 24 hours. Beautiful. And he said it, his never usually go up, in the, at least on the first viewing, like, or within the first 24 hours, more than 100. Yeah. So, like, just with having me on, and that was the second time he had me on. Mm. So his went up like crazy, and he's also a producer on the film as well. So um, we're all just going to owe each other a dinner then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll pay for yours, you pay for his, <laughs> I'm going to pay for mine. Yeah. Angela, yeah. Joseph, you got that? You guys yeah. are paying for theirs, all of ours. <laughs> <laughs> Drinks must be had. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Money Fast. Thanks for having me. Can't Thanks wait to get this out there. Remember, yeah. just like less than $3,000 away. So, or a little bit over three thousand. It's it's around there, but we're like at eighty five, ninety percent. Yes. There. Go, yes. Go fund yeah. Kickstarter. Get us into those stretch goals, please. Guys, this transmission is ending. This is dangerous. Minefields out. <laughs>